Somebody just lift your hands and worship him right now. Great is the Lord. Ah, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. There's a beautiful spirit of God in this house. Somebody reach out. Somebody reach out. Somebody get a hold of him. In the name of Jesus. Somebody speak the name of Jesus. And attain his spirit. Cry out to him. There's a beautiful presence of the living God in this house. Oh, we give you everything, Jesus. We lift you up, Holy One of Israel. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord tonight. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask you to remain standing because we've come to the portion of service where we are going to have the ministering of the Word of God, and it is our great pleasure to bring to this pulpit the man of God that is greatly used of the Holy Ghost. He's a friend of mine, a friend of our churches here in South Florida, and we want him to come and to take his liberty. He does uh, 
doesn't have his family with him. It's just him flying solo, and that's a bit of a sacrifice for him. But we're glad he took the time to come and bring the word of the Lord to us. So why don't you put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise for bringing Brother Cody Marks to us. Praise the Lord. We could raise our hands one more time and just ask the Lord to talk to us tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I understand that any time that we are gathered together in the presence of the Lord, that it is a special time. But I feel if you would allow me to say it this way, something extra special here tonight. I do not use this term lightly, but there is a feeling that comes with moments of destiny. And um, I feel eternity in this house tonight. I feel eternity in this house tonight. And so I'll preach tonight what I have felt the Lord has given me for this service. Jeremiah chapter number 10. already put in a pretty good week and it's just Wednesday I am here because this is the will of God the next three nights I could have stayed home in fact if I would have listened to the flesh we may have done that but God has orchestrated this time together, and I hope that you're approaching these services that way. Jeremiah chapter 10, and we'll be reading one verse of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 10.
and verse number 23. And this is a good one. O Lord, I think maybe I'm considering the jury's still out. No. Are you awake tonight? I know. Somebody say no. That the way of man is not, somebody say, is not in himself. That's pretty strong. It is not. Somebody say, is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Now, if you're expecting some kind of fancy Hebrew translation, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Is not is pretty much just his word. It's not there. I know that the way of man is not. I want that. I just want. I want to sit here for a second. I'm taking my time right now because I want that to set in here right now. Is not. It's not in me and it's not in you to know the way. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care what kind of family you come from. I don't care how smart you think you are. It's not in me and it's not in you to even know how to begin to direct our own steps. It's not, it's, it's not there. There's not, there's not even a trace of it there. It's impossible. I, I, I am to the point, literally, I'm hung on this scripture because I feel like, at, at least from my observance, and, and uh, senior pastor's got much more experience, but I, I just, I, I feel like if we could get people to understand this one verse of scripture, Right here. The heartache that people would save themselves. I'm almost, and and I'm not trying to put a band-aid on all of our problems, but I'm telling you, that scripture right there in itself, if we could understand that and live like we believe that, And I see a few of you being honest enough to nod your head because some of you joining the chorus with the prophet right now because you know some of you found out the hard way. It's not in me. I'm fixing to work this over tonight. I didn't fly all this way to play church. Put your Bibles down, raise your hands, and ask the Lord to talk to us tonight if you would. Hallelujah. If you don't help us tonight, we're in a heap of trouble. We need the Holy Ghost to come in here right now and 
give us a word speak to us hallelujah 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 praise the lord give the lord a good hand clap of praise Jesus name. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I don't know if it's my age. I lean tonight to believing that it's just where I'm at in my personal spiritual journey. Maybe it's the fact that I have three children. I don't know, but there is there is an unquenchable fire that cannot be put out, and it seems to be growing by the day. A fire in me that wants to be right. I want to be right. Right in the sense of right standing with God. I want His favor. I want Him to like me. I want His blessing. Uh, More than ever before, there is something in me that that wants to make sure that there is nothing in me that would displease him. I want to be saved. I'm more interested in being saved at 32 years old than I have ever been interested in my life. If I never preach another message, I want to be saved. If I never accomplish another thing on this side of glory, there is a drive in me to be saved. And I am coming to the realization that in the journey of being saved, because you know salvation is not an event. It's not a date on the calendar, but rather it's, it's, it's a journey. It's, it's a life. And as long as there is flesh hanging on this skeleton of bones, Uh, salvation is a process and it will be until either the rapture takes place or they put you in the cold ground I I am finding that in order to successfully uh, be right uh, if that's the correct terminology I'm finding in this pursuit of, of, of trying to get it right and get it together and keep it together that that there are some things that a man must know. And it's, it's pretty common knowledge. And tonight I, I, won't, I won't dive off into these first two areas. But I, I think for anybody to spiritually be successful, he must know who he's fighting against. I believe a man or a woman must know who his adversary is. It goes without saying that if anybody's going to be saved, you've got to know who your master is. You, 
You've got to know who's living on the inside of you. You've got to acquaint yourself with the person that's walking around inside of this temple. Somebody say amen. But I'm finding out at 32 like never before, really, you can't even begin to uh, you can't even begin to maximize your potential of, of knowledge in those two areas without first beginning uh, in the discovery of knowledge in another area. In fact, I think if you jump in those two areas, you're getting the cart in front of the horse because what good is it to know God or what good is it to know Satan if you don't know yourself? I'm finding out at 32, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll change my mind when I get a little bit older, but I'm finding out that if I'm lost, uh, if, I, if I ever, God forbid that if I'm ever lost, that probably it won't be because of the devil, and, and sure enough, it won't be because God didn't try. In fact, uh, I'm pretty convinced that any of us that are here tonight, if we end up being lost, it'll be our own fault. We blame a lot of things on the devil, but uh, the people that mess their lives up, you you get down to the core of it and you trace it back. And the pathology of all of these problems is 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 me. It's the flesh. It's my own carnality. It's it's the lack of understanding about me. Because the more I find out about me, the more I know that I need God. And the more I find out about me, the more I know I need to get away from the world. And from the devil. So without knowing me, there's no way to there's no way to know how much that I need him. And without knowing me, there's no there's no way I can know how much that I don't need the world. And so I have started this personal journey of trying to find out about me. And I can honestly tell you that I don't like everything that I see. I don't like everything that I look see. The problem with the mirror, we've preached about the ministry of the mirror, but the problem with the mirror is the mirror doesn't reveal the heart. And all of the issues of life come out of the heart. And I, I'm finding in this self-discovery of myself because I want to be saved that, 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 that there's things there that, that I don't like and there's things there that God doesn't like. But I, I'm finding in, in knowledge of myself that, that there is there is. A, there is a common thread that runs among us all. All tonight that we can relate to. And Jeremiah pretty much covers it in one scripture. I'm finding out something about me. There are ways. There are ideas. There, 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 there are inklings that I have, whether mentally, emotionally, or in the flesh, that I feel like are right. But I'm finding out that there is a way that seemeth right to man but the end thereof is death it's it's utter destruction and I think that the first place that a man must come when he begins to find out some things about himself is he needs to understand that in every one of us there is a tendency to do things our own way in every one of us there is a tendency to live life the way that we think it needs to be lived in every one of us there is a strong drive to take the paths of least resistance to take 
make the paths that are convenient. But I've come to preach to you tonight. The end thereof is destruction. We need a revelation tonight that it's not in us. It's not in you. I know it seems almost sophomoreish. It's so simple. But let's get back to the basics. I want somebody to understand tonight. It's not in you. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how appetizing it seems. I don't care how lucrative it looks. You better get on your knees and understand you can't make decisions according to the feelings of your flesh. Clap your hands and give the Lord praise right now. Hallelujah. I'll be right up front with you here tonight. I didn't come to impress you with fancy preaching. I come to try to save somebody tonight from death. I come to try to save a marriage. I come to try to save a young person. I come to try to save a young lady from getting wrapped up in a wrong relationship. Come on. I come to save somebody from putting your foot in a direction you don't need to put your foot in. You need to wake up tonight and realize it's not in you. It's not in me. I don't know which way to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll just be right up front with you. I felt in prayer that there's some people that have set your face. You've set your foot down. I feel a defiant foot that has been set in a defiant direction. But honey, I've come to remind you of something tonight. It's not in you to know the way. I'm telling somebody, you have begun the steps in the process of utterly destroying your life and your future. Everything that God's put together. Come on, all it takes is one or two wrong turns. All it takes is turning the pulpit off and ignoring ignoring the look of the man of God. Is anybody hearing me right now? Hallelujah. You better have a compass. You hear me? You better have a spiritual compass. You better be submitted to a pastor because there's going to come a day that it's going to feel like that that way's home. But when you pull out the compass, the man of God's going to say, no, that way's home. And that's where submission comes in. That's when you say, well, I feel like this, but the compass says this, and I'm going to stick with the compass. I want to know, is there anybody that's going to stick with the compass? Anybody going to stick with the man of God? Anybody going to stick with the word of the Lord? Hallelujah, I've been in some crossroads where I thought I 100% knew this is the way. And the word came. I said, no, that's not the way. Let me work this over a minute. It's not in. It's not in you. At the cost of you feeling like I'm being redundant tonight, I'm going to beat this down from every corner. It's not in you. You can't do it. I don't care how much schooling you get. I don't care how much money you have or how much money you don't have. 
I don't care how great your problem-solving skills are. Look how smart you think you are. I don't care how much you think that you know. I don't care how strong that your reasoning is. In fact, I'm going to go a step further. I don't care how much you've prayed about this. It's not in you to know the way. It's not in you to direct your own steps. Now, it is in us to completely wreck our lives. It is in us to get hooked up with the wrong person. Hello? It is in us to become discouraged and pull up all the seeds that we've planted and move our family off somewhere. It is in us to backslide because times get bad. It is in us to be tempted and swayed by somebody else that's walked away from God. It, that, 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 those things are in us. But the right direction is not in us. God's way is not in us. I'm hoping right now that there's some people that's realizing that, that, that alone, man standing alone is a hopeless wreck. Do you realize that? Man is insufficient in himself. Man is lacking. Are you hearing me? Man is lacking. I don't care how sharp dressed you are. I don't care how nice looking you are. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care what kind of house you live in. Man is in trouble without a guide. That's what I've come to preach tonight on this first night of this little three-night meeting we're having. It's man's got to have a guide. Oh, you're not hearing me, man. If it's not in man to know the way, if it's not in man to direct his steps, man's got to have a guide. Man's got to have a guide. You've got to have a guide. I said, you've got to have a guide. I need a guide. I need a God to guide me. There's too many scriptures, and I don't have time to quote them all or read them all tonight, about that allude to the fact that we cannot lean to the arm of our own understanding. Come on, I start quoting, we'd be here half the night. The scriptures within that black book about God, direct my steps, order my steps. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Oh, you're not hearing me right now. And a light. Unto my, I've got to have a word. I've got to have a God that has a word in my life. I've got to have a spiritual GPS system that gives turn by turn direction. Oh, you're not hearing me. I said, i got to have a spiritual GPS. i got to have some guidance. I'm telling somebody, you better not go off and do this your own way. You better not go off and make this decision according to the packaging. You better back up and say, i got to have a God. i got to have a guide. i got to have somebody to tell me what to do. You better have a guide before you get that divorce. You better have a, are you hearing me right? You better have a guide before you turn in that direction. A guide. A God. Why not? Why not, God? 
Why wouldn't you let him guide you? He's the guide of the ages. I said he's the guide of the ages. That's all I'm trying to do tonight is to get an ignorant foolish wandering sheep hooked up with a shepherd tonight that's my objective that's my assignment I'm trying to get a shepherd in your life I'm trying to get a God in your life that knows you in fact he told Jeremiah I knew you before you were ever formed in the belly of your mother he said, I know, I know your end from your beginning. Oh, come on. Anybody excited? Does anybody get excited when you think about the fact I don't have to worry about tomorrow? I know my guide holds tomorrow. My. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I don't have I don't have time to preach to you about everything about this God guide, but I can tell you I gotta stop for a second and I gotta tell you something about this God guide that we don't talk about near enough in Pentecost. But this preacher finna talk about it for a few minutes. This God guide that's guiding me tonight, Pastor Urshan, the Bible said that he's omniscient. Come on. Come on now, you people go people go crazy. People go crazy over a pigskin being thrown over a field and somebody scoring a touchdown. And God followers can't get excited about the fact that your guide is all knowing. Oh no, I'm not gonna leave that. I'm a, I'm gonna wait until that dawns on somebody. He's all knowing. He knows what's down around the corner. He knows what devil's lurking in the trees down the road. He knows how much I can take. He's not gonna put more on me than I can bear. He knows five years from now and ten years from now. He knows where I'm gonna be forty years from now. That's the kind of guy that I want. That's the kind of guy that I want. I don't know. But I feel pretty strongly. That there was more going on here in the text than just a man pushing the ink on the parchment under the anointing of heaven. I feel like that it was a moment of retrospect and a prophet was letting us see in to the inner chambers of a life it was much more involved than just prayer and fastings. When you try to pick up the pulse of the text, understanding tonight a little bit about the history of Jeremiah, understanding his fears, understanding the, huma- the humanity of the prophet and tendencies of his flesh, understanding that it was not beyond him under certain pressures to to cower down out of fear of what men could do to him understanding some of the things that he went 
through very early in his prophetic career. I believe that a man here was doing more than just prophesying under an unction. I believe a man was saying, look here, learn from my mistakes. I know, I see the furrowed eyebrow. I see the creasing and the wrinkling of the forehead. I see the grimace and the grit of the teeth. I see a prophet that apparently somewhere or another had done in his own way and he wrote to us thousands of years later and said let me tell you don't go down the road of doing it by yourself don't go down the road of doing it on your own I know he said I know I've been there I've done it I know that it's not in man to know the way Guidance. Guide. The guide that led three million people out of Egypt with two brothers and some plagues after 400 plus years of cruel bondage. Guided them. Guided them across deserts and through seas. Provided water out of a rock. There's a little something that stands as an obstacle in our way because there are many biblical theologians that believe that even the enormity at the enormity, the enormousness of the task really it was a journey that they should have been able easily to make in three months. It was 40 years. 40 years, mom and dad. Are you listening to the preacher God sent to you today? 40 years and the loss of a generation. You look at a 30 or possibly a 90-day journey that turned into 40 years, and maybe you might be quick to jump and say, something wrong with the guided. I can tell you tonight, nothing wrong with the guide. Something wrong with the guided. Nothing wrong with the abilities and the expertise of the guide. Something wrong with the spirit of the ones being guided. And I have seen people circle around situations. God, somebody hear me right now. I have seen people live in places that they should have been out of years and months before. I have seen spirits get in families and hang around generation after generation. Are you hearing this preacher right now? And they walk around and around and around and the promises of God are rich, but they never break the curse cycles. Anybody hearing me right now? 
and it all boils down to the fact was God not there yeah God was there was God not capable yes God was capable did God not want to do it yes God wanted to do it did God promise deliverance yes God promised deliverance but the reason the reason they're still wandering around in a wilderness is because they've not got to the place yet that they're willing to follow him without are you hearing me follow him without rebuttal follow him without argument follow him without fight follow him My God, I want to get to the place. I want to get to the place that I don't initiate anything in my life on my own. I want to become so dependent. We talk about being spirit-led. We need to quit making that some mystical ooga-booga living out there in the seventh heaven. Come on. We all need to be spirit-led. If we've got a guide, we're being led by the Spirit. It's not a super spiritual thing to be spirit-led. Come on. If you got enough sense to know the way's not in you, everybody needs to be spirit-led. Being spirit-led not something that's reserved for the pastor or the visiting preacher. Are you hearing me? We all need to be spirit-led. I have seen children lose out. I have seen children lose out because they never were exposed to the natural fluidity that takes place when a person is truly being guided. I have seen, oh God, please don't preach up in here right now. I have seen parents fumble and flail, stumble and in one deal and out of another. Zero graciousness. And I have seen real kids grow up to despise what was given to them as this is what living for God is. And I've seen them say, if that. Up, down, and up, and down, and over here, and over there, and that church this year, and that church that. Kids grow up and say, if that is walking with God, I'm not going to put my kids through that. Are you saying there's not going to be any battles? Hold on, that's not what I'm going to say. You say, you're saying there's never any storm? No. But I can tell you, there, there is a place of dependency that you can get that the Bible said that he staggered not at the promises of God. There is a place that you can get in dependency where your soul is so anchored in him. 
In fact, some of the people that you think it have the e have it the easiest in your church. <laughs> in fact, you've been fooled. It's not the case. In fact, some of the people who make it look at the easiest fight the strongest spirits and go through the greatest battles, but they have learned the graciousness of being guided. Happened when we were in Turkey. Just thinking on these lines. I took out a pen on a bus ride and I wrote guidance out on a piece of paper and I'm almost done. G-E-U-I. D-A-N-C. I I wrote it out. I've still got the sheet of paper. Real big letters. Underlined it. I sit there and look at it. I need guidance. As long as I looked at it, Something started jumping out off the page. Can I preach to you in closing? You hungry for the word of the Lord? Something started jumping. The biggest part of the word started jumping off the page. I know the root word. Probably if I ask you what the root word is, you'd say the root word guidance is guide, which is right. But the biggest part of the word, if you look at the word guidance, is Now, I was raised in the church, so other than the twirly bird and a little tapping like this and moving around, I don't know much about dancing. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> oh God, I would have made a horrible backslider. Horrible. I I went through periods that I decided I was going to backslide, and, and it usually it lasted maybe a couple hours at the most. <laughs> and in fact, this is the extent of my dancing career. God, why am I saying this stuff? My junior year in high school, I was uh, <laughs> fitting in was pretty important, and I was involved in the social scene in high school and. The city we that we were uh, raised in, they they had this new club that was open, and it was a uh, a disco club. And they had a big ball, and you don't know anything about that, do you? <laughs> and these kids, and it was a bar, and they were going and drinking, but they were going, you know. I guess they were stealing old clothes out of the the attic of their parents, and they were going and having this big time. And so they just they stayed after me, stayed after me, stayed after. You don't drink, just, and, and they, they, they were letting them in, and they, a lot of them weren't even old enough. They shouldn't have even been in there. And so finally, there's about 20 of them going one night, and they just stayed after me. So I said, fine, I'll go. And I'm telling you, my conscience burned a hole through my shirt all day long. And I got in the car, my knees were knocking, and I was glad it was dark so my buddies couldn't see me. <laughs> we get there, get out. Walk in, so help me God. We walk in, the lights go out, the ball starts spinning, the DJ comes on, 
And the first song they sing is, Johnny, you better go home. So I looked at my buddy. I said, give me the keys. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to sit in the truck and wait on y'all. I mean, come on, God. I, I, I Save it for three or four songs. Just let me be backslid for three songs. I mean, come on. You got to do it on the first song? So that was the extent of my dancing career. I never even got on the floor. But I had, when, when, I, when this pulled, and I'm done, I promise. Dance went, I, I had some ideas. And so I went to that great reference tool that God's given us. I mean, it's, I mean, King James Version is right up, it's at the top, but this, this probably will make the top ten. In fact, I don't know how senior pastors studied 15 years ago. I went to Google. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I don't know what possessed me to do it. It's just the first thing that clicked in my head, and I, and I typed in the art of dancing. Stuff started popping up. You know, you, it's like anything else. You, you you take and you leave, and it's just wealth of information. I don't know. It was, it was over three hours later, and I was still pulling stuff and look. Basically, to give you the short of it, my research led me to a part of the world where dancing is much like a sport in America. Literally, people will pay equivalent to U.S. dollars. People pay upwards to $500. Crowds, thousands of people who will pack these auditoriums and they will watch a couple, a man and a woman. They will watch them dance for three hours. They will watch them dance under different types of tempos. Slow and fast, aggressive and smooth. So when I began to find this out, I began to be interested as to why anybody would want to go and watch two people dance for three hours. Why would they pay this kind of money? And, and things begin to surface through interviews. Things begin to surface like this. The graciousness, in fact, if you were to do this study, you'd find the same thing that I found. It, one of the number one things that people are enamored with when they watch this is, and they call it the miracle of two becoming one. The fantastic thing they say about watching this is that for two and a half, three hours, that this couple becomes so in tune and so in time and so in sync that they that they nail and execute every place on the floor. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And every move is executed. And these are words that they use seamlessly, 
graciously. Are you hearing me right now? There, there, there is a fluidity. It seems as all of a sudden, somewhere in the flow of all of this, that one of, one of the dancers disappears and that the team, because one person executing these moves through the spins, through the changes of tempo, the times when the drums are beating fiercely and loud, but yet they're not seen two, they're seen one. How do they get to this place? Well, first of all, the ones that they go and watch are not teams that have been just dancing for a short period of time. In fact, some of these people that they go watch have been dancing together, partners for 30, 40. Actually, I watched some clips of... A couple that had that were married that actually people were still going and watching them that had been dancing together over 45 years. What is the secret to their success? And I close tonight by bringing this all together. Hopefully, God will help us right now. I found that the first thing that's got to happen in order for the dance to become graceful, in order for that miracle to happen where two become one, when these partners come together, the first thing that has to happen at the entering of a partnership is there has to be an agreement that is reached by both sides. In order for it to get to the place that the dance is a beautiful thing to watch to the observer, there must be an agreement reached from the outset. And that agreement that must be reached is one must relinquish control. One must lead and the other will follow. The dance will never work. The dance will never be beautiful. The dance will never become gracious. The dance will never be anything that anybody want to watch if there's two leaders or two followers. Are you hearing me right now? There must be an agreement. Cannot be two leaders. Somewhere, someone must relinquish control. Now, once that's established, it's hours of working together. But it's just like the success of a marriage, and it's just like the success of this spiritual journey. Communication never ceases. But how do they communicate? I magnified the videos as close as you can magnify it in. You see no hand motion. Come here, let me push you around. I won't get by with it outside the anointing. I can push you around right now. He's not having to push her. And I can call him a her right now too. Into her turn. He's not pulling her. He's not motioning. He's not I mean, you watch it. You can't even pick up a nudge 
but yet they're communicating. So I thought, well, how did they, if the communication never ceases, these people have been dancing together 40 years, if the communication never ceases, how are they communicating? Anybody got any idea how they communicate? And once I found out how they communicated, I pulled it in close enough to see what was going on. The leader guides her with his eyes. I jumped up from the computer. I did my little twirly bird dance. And then cried like a baby because I, for the first time, all those scriptures in the Bible about his face and his eyes, it all makes sense now. This thing is a dance. And God never intended for this thing to be something that he pushes you. I see people who have dysfunctional walks with God. I see, I, I see people who, who for years go through this. I mean, you, who, nobody wants to watch that. But yet you look at these people in the church and you think, my God, they never go through anything. I'm telling you, they do go through stuff. But you know why they go through it so smoothly? Never quit worshiping, never quit going to the prayer room, never quit reading their Bible, never quit raising their hands because they've learned to do it. They, they, they've learned, first of all, that he's got to be the leader. And second of all, it's gracious and it's beautiful because they've learned to let him guide them. I want to get to the place, Pastor Urshan, that just the, the most subtle I'm talking to some frustrated people who's been trying to dance with God like this. Get over it. Need to be a prayer meeting. Need to be a church. Gotta start praying. Never going to feel fulfilled until you become a witness. Really ought to fast every once in a while. Ought to get involved. Clap your hands. I know this is funny, but it blow your mind how many people in this place dance just like this. Always, there it is. It's always a struggle. struggle because it's constantly the pulling of your will and his. The problem in its origins is an unbroken will. I'm going to right now standing up and I've been closing for 10 minutes but I promise I'm trying. I'm going to tell you right, I'm the, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the most powerful revelations that God, it's helped more, me more than anything God's ever given me, what I'm fixing to tell you. Our problem is we don't really understand what prayer is. Somebody asked me not too long ago, and I don't know, I'm not quick to answer. It was the Holy Ghost that jumped out of me. Just, somebody walked up to me, and I'm telling you, before God, this is how it happened. They said, Brother Marks, through prayer, can you change God's mind? And Sister Jackie, that quick, it went, whoosh. I said, 
Why would you want to change God's mind? Why would you want to move God from his right position to your wrong one? And I walked away from telling her that and I realized prayer is not about begging God to change. Prayer is about my will conforming to his will. And that's why some people stop praying. People stop praying and say, well, they feel, I, I don't pray anymore because prayer got to the place that it felt like I was banging my head against the wall. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it is. Three hours worth to the point that he perspired as of great drops of blood. What was that three-hour prayer meeting about? Not prayer is. I prayed wrong for 30 plus years because I'm always in prayer trying to move God. And, and the Bible is explicit in this. Does it not teach us to pray according to His will? Why? Because the way is not. I'm going to tell you, I don't know how you guys do it. You guys do it the way you're comfortable doing it. I don't go in and somebody's on sick bed. I don't. I don't go in and pray God raises them up. What if God don't want to raise them up? If God, if it's God's will for them to die tomorrow, and I go in and pray God raise them up, I'm trying to move God from His right position to my wrong one. But God, according to Your will, if it be Your will. takes out a lot of the ooh, I know but pretty much this is how it is problem is an unbroken will so it gets to the place where you learn who you're dancing with to the point that it's you pick up subtle the pastor shouldn't have to thunder on your head well, he didn't tell me not to do that. No, but he's preached the last five sermons right at your front door. Well, he didn't have a counseling session with me. Come on, quit having to be pulled and begged and pushed into everything. Catch a hint. He didn't tell me not to date them. He didn't tell me not to go there. Well, he's made... Look at his face. He's picking up stuff without having to be drug into everything. Is that okay? And mom and dad, you got to get this. And I want somebody. I'm going to find somebody to pay me. Will you help me, baby? Will you help me? Will you come here and help me? Come here and help me. Let's show them something. I want, I want them to see something. I'm going to get somebody to paint me a picture of this. This dancing stuff, they said, it stays in the family. It's generations. Mom and dad, you got to get this because your kids have got to see some fluidity. They've got to, they've got to be, they've got to see you, they've got to see you flow through some things in life that otherwise would have done knocked the stuffing out of you. I found that this dancing that runs in the family. They don't wait for them to get it on their own. And I'm going to find somebody one day that's going to paint me this. But this is it, and I found it. At an early age, that dad will take that baby. 
he'll put that baby girl on his feet. And he'll get out on that floor and he'll turn that music on and he'll start moving with it. No, 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 you're turning too quick. No, 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 I'm a little bit slower here. And already on. I think it's the will of God that we get this. And we get our kids. And show them this is how you trust God. This is how you serve God. This is how you live for God. This is how this works. You're not picking them up on your feet and teaching them how to move in the spirit if all they ever hear you do is rant and rave about how bad you've got it and a God, where are you at, God, and what are you doing? Those days when it would be easier to do that and, and they rather they hear you say, God's going to see us through. We're going to. You know what you're doing? You're picking them up and you're putting them on your feet. And you're saying, this is how you move. That's guidance. So, in, in, in the simple way that I've been thinking, I've still been doing this. In fact, I did it today. Right over there in the ministry house. I said, God, I want to be a better dancer. fact, I just read two days ago on the plane, the psalmist said, I have sent the Lord before me. What? And he's at my right hand to meet him. He's dancing. He's dancing. And I told the Lord, I don't even know. I am so helpless. I don't even know where to put my hands. But I want to be a better dancer. And I'm preaching to some people right now that the drums are beating and the tempo's picked up. And instead of executing the turn smoothly and gracefully, you're faltering and stumbling all over the place. And you're making a fool out of yourself. And the whole time, Jesus is standing over by the side saying, Can I have this dance? Would you let me have it? Let me lead and you follow. Let me tell you what to do and you not tell me what to do. I have watched people flail and fall and squander so much future and potential. And leave God over in the shadows. Saying, I'll take it at any time. You let me have it. And I'll take it and I'll move you through this. That's guidance. Bow your head and let's pray.
I'll look at the clock so I don't embarrass anybody, but I, I scanned the crowd tonight, and I've I seen the glazed look. I've seen it before. It's, it's a glazy look, and it's the look that I'm bound and determined to do it my way. I've seen it before, and I see, I, I've seen it in the faces of people in this congregation. And basically, you wouldn't say it like this, but basic, you, basically, you have made plans that don't include God, basically. That's basically what it boils down to. I can't make you dance with him. I can't make you, I cannot make you give him the lead. You've got to be willing to relinquish control. what you're dealing with but I'm telling you you better get to praying tonight I want to be a better dancer I want to follow you God move me through this you're the only one that, you're the only way you, you're the only one that knows the way to navigate around this and circumvent I gotta have a guide Anybody got a dance you'd like to give him tonight? Anybody like to take the outstretched, nail-scarred hands of an omniscient God that's asking to guide you tonight? Would you step out? Anybody? Anybody like to come to take his hand right now? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the temptation is. I don't know the hell you're in. I don't know the problem, the crises. I don't know what kind of chaos you're dealing with. But if it's me, I'd come down here and say, here, God, you can have this dance. I'm going I'm to let you lead. I, it's not in me to know the way. It's not in me to direct my own steps. Come on. It's not in me to direct my own steps. Every, every hour I need thee. Lord bless. Come on, I'd have my hands raised. I'd beg and plead. I'd cry out to him right now, lead me, God. Come on, you better let God do the lead. You better let God do the talking. You better let God do the lead. You better not take off by yourself. 
You better not do it your own way, honey. You better get yourself a guide. You better get yourself a guide. Oh, shut up, ha, 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 ha. 